0: extrapolating like crazy this morning and I like to call it extrapolating as opposed to lateral thinking or creative thinking because i feel extrapolating has more to do with seeing something clearly than actually just thinking cuz thinking is usually combining words or combining old thoughts or recombining our old programming or I feel like thinking is generally programming. So it's more about seeing that it's programming and getting that process to stop than actually trying to think creatively within and with that programming, which is near impossible. I sent in my resignation email this morning and I haven't checked my email yet to see the response, but, Since then, my brain has been super extrapolating. Maybe it feels a little bit freed from that decision. And I feel it's more that I've talked myself out of that paradigm, I don't believe it at all, especially with the things that I've been watching and extrapolating from the last few days with the neuroplasticity. And I talked a long time ago before I started watching TED Talks about something about neuroplasticity related to the process but after watching those talks and and realizing even if there is some kind of damage, it, it can actually be fixed. So to say oh, the brain's permanently damaged and needs drugs is just, it's gonna be old news yesterday. I've talked my brain cells out of thinking that they're mentally ill. They're needing rewiring, and I'm talking them into being rewired in the ways that they were trying to rewire through the map consciousness, trans-conscious process. And the universe is trying to help us design a better self, more in alignment with the universal principles of how we are as human beings, those inward human dimensions. It all comes back to these inner human dimensions and gestures and action. Because we're actually not gesturing like we're designed to as human beings. We're not gesturing in our socially bonding ways, and then we feel separate, and then we feel desire, and then we, it just cascades from there because we're not actually acting in reality, because as children, we're told to sit down and sit in this chair and passively learn, so we feel like life is a passive process. More on that later. I feel that society and our education system actually stunts the brain's growth. It gets at abstracting about reality instead of acting in reality. And when we start thinking that life is a bunch of abstractions, we try to create better and better abstractions as opposed to just living life in the present moment. And those abstractions and that pleasure is tied into dopamine because whatever happens, we're we're judging it as we've been programmed to judge it there could be a million bits of information but we pick the bit that gives us the dopamine out of that bit which is an abstraction which is programmed from the past so we're just reacting to the past reacting to the past and just reacting to dopamine and I looked today I was curious and I was thinking what is the structure of dopamine and it's this really small little molecule and it actually is only I believe I didn't fully read but it looks like it's only produced in the brain and it's recycled in the brain. So just like thoughts are circular and recycled and and they're just abstractions, they're not anything to do with reality, same with dopamine, it's just in the brain, in the brain, in the brain. And interestingly enough, I looked up oxytocin and it's this super complex molecule and it's secreted from part of the brain called the posterior pituitary and it goes to the body. So I thought it's really interesting because Oxytocin actually connects our brain to our body. It's not the only thing, but it actually goes into the body and it creates all these epigenetic changes um, and of genetic expression for bonding, which requires responding to gestures, which requires being perceptive in the moment, which requires interacting with other people, all these connection things so by connecting to other people we feel connected to our body and we feel like we're in our body acting in our body so again this over dopamine dominance is just us living in our own heads and then letting our body go on automatic pilot and not feeling connected to our body and not feeling that connected to other people and it's literally making us shrivel up in terms of our brain we think we're okay because we're still growing in terms of our physical body but you know we've taken care of that through our pretty much automatic eating of food and so I thought of don't put the light of your attention on things that are going to shrivel up your brain which is your own habitual thoughts for one tv we don't think about what we're putting our attention on in terms of this is going to shrivel my brain up It's pretty hard to know that our brain is shriveling up because we can't see our brains. We're really worried about having a six-pack of abs, yet we're not worried about having our brain as a six-pack. And I feel we need to support people's expanded perceptions, because expanded perceptions give life meaning sometimes, so it's not about the particular perception, it's about that a person is experiencing meaning. It's not the correctness of the perceptions, it's that somebody is in a meaning making process, that they're seeing other meaning, that they're seeing, what's important is seeing, seeing something new. Seeing something new makes the brain grow, and seeing something new is different than the repetition of the old stuff happening in the dopamine circuit so it makes sense that as the new is seen the dopamine circuits start to atrophy and when we think about it words and sounds create brain cells because we have these words and stuff repeating in our prefrontal cortex and that's creating those neural networks Well, if we have different words and different insights coming in, those are going to create different brain cells. So I actually think it's those sounds. And it's actually the sound of seeing. I mentioned before that when our brain is clear, we can see, and then that produces sound. It produces a different thing we're going to give voice to, and it will produce different impressions in our brains that may come as very subtle sounds in terms of something we might wanna say or maybe wanna write down. And I definitely think mania is a universal thinking big process that's initiated to grow the brain in different ways, turn on other circuits. I actually feel it's kind of the awakening of intelligence, a different form of intelligence that's not the intelligence of the programmed ego. And we're sort of farmers. We're farmers of our own brain cells. And the seeds we plant are not just the words that we tell ourselves, but how we see. And if we're telling ourselves certain words, that's what we're seeing. That's not, so we don't actually question how we're seeing, which is the space before thoughts arise. The way our brains work right now, we're like camels, we're just, regurgitating and chewing up the same old stuff every day I also wonder if the physical body is a chrysalis to something else after we die or it could even be I have the sense that we're actually not really fully in our bodies like we're not embodied we're more like bio robots And so when we go through map consciousness, it's a chrysalis phase actually bringing us back to being in connection with our body. And that's one of the reasons why it's a bit scary is because our consciousness or our awareness or our minds are are somewhere else completely and they have been for a very long time. And as our mind sort of journeys back to our body, it becomes pretty scary. It's almost like a birth into actually being, inhabiting the body. And and when one gets back, when one's consciousness actually reconnects with the body, it's like a rebirth and it's, it becomes debilitating for a time because one has to again learn how to exist in this world. We're not using our brains to see, we're using our brains to remember to remember our desires, to remember our thoughts, to remember our pleasures and by doing that we're seeking for that out in the environment and what we're actually seeking is ourselves and how we see we're seeking a change in the way we see, we're seeking a change in perspective And when we're not thinking about ourselves in that way we can actually see the universe and it talks to us not through actually a voice per se but we can read reality just like we can read somebody's body language we can take that a step further and actually read nature it's not that difficult and I was ta- I was watching a TED talk and the guy was talking about how our brains get fatigued through the day so if we're at a long day of lectures the last lecture will be difficult to absorb But with manic consciousness, one can read all of reality, and eventually one does get tired. So it does fizzle out, and one does run out of whatever juice is required to be in that state. And then after a rest, one can go back into that. It's just a different bio-rhythm, just like we have to go to sleep every day to be able to use our brains the next day. Mania might last a month, and then we have to not be in mania for, for a number of months, and then we can go back into it. I feel map consciousness is part of the becoming immune to the dopamine programs of society. Those are all for separation, so it's almost like an immunization against that, and I talked about herd immunity, being deaf to those voices and memes of society that would program us into separation. I watched a video about the new Amazon store in Seattle or something and how when you go in, just by your gestures and things, you don't even have you just scan your phone so they know you're in the store. Just by your gestures and, and maybe sensors on the products and things, they know what you've taken and that's what allows you to pay. And when you think about that, algorithm and the algorithms involved in that and the implications of that if we as human beings can create that kind of program to which people can go in a store and just grab stuff off the shelf and the store knows what you what you took is that is it that much of a stretch to imagine that the universe can record and compute our gestures and what we take and what we're doing And just as people take stuff from the store, now that item's missing from the store and then they paid for it. It moved that item and that person paid. Well, there's some kind of algorithm in reality as well in terms of our gestures and, and what that does. So when somebody takes something off the shelf in the Amazon store and walks out, it takes money out of their bank account or off their credit card. Now if we give a wave or a smile, it actually puts money, as in maybe oxytocin, in our bank account. And it puts it in the bank account of the social fabric. So it's the same kind of thing with how they're using gestures and and movement in order to calculate when you owe money. Well the universe can do that too, in terms of that's how we interact with each other to either steal each other's energy or or create connection and build the energy of humanity and so when I saw that I was just I wasn't surprised actually that they were able to create that but it's in alignment with epi and I even felt like one could create an app that's connected to the iWatch or something that can tell what your gestures are It has a sensor, you can tell when you wave, it can tell when you smile. And those are some of the metrics of of life that might actually be worth measuring. Is how many times did you laugh today? How many times did you smile? How many times did you wave? How many times did you touch somebody else? It's more about measuring things that produce oxytocin. And in the same way, it could measure things that people are doing that are not so nice like using a snarky tone. And, and it could almost calculate it and then start to calculate who is where in the ranks of the world in terms of kindness. And people would start acting kind pretty quickly when that was actually what was measured as valuable, as, as necessary, as part of what is, holds us all together as humanity. I feel like map consciousness mania is inner medicine of the body and it kicks in to erase some of the psychology and some of the the ego scar tissue and rewire the brain. It does this with the molecules that it creates, likely oxytocin and, and other things and DMT probably. And then it also by doing that gets us to behave differently and those gestures and behaviors further rewire our brain by actually rewiring it in our peripheral nervous system as well and I wrote that and then today in the TED talks that I watched they said some things that blew me away and they weren't talking about it in the context of map consciousness and mania and trans consciousness they were just talking about it in general And so many things that they talk about in terms of neuroplasticity and and being your best self and all these things they talk about are things that are naturally initiated in the process of mania. And everyone else is trying to do these things consciously from the level of their ego thought and thinking when the mania process makes that subservient to something else. And so many of the aspects of it are these things that we know we're capable of because they talk about them in TED Talks, but we're not really capable of them unless we go into this state of mania which we have no control over. So all this control, control, control to try to get this to this state of non-control where something else takes over. And there's all these wonderful intellectual people studying all these things about neuroplasticity and human performance. And then there's another group of them studying how this neuroplastic accelerated learning human growth process of mania is a pathology so since my brain cells have realized this stuff these last few days i really 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 feel extra checked out of the mental illness paradigm because all the stuff that i was talking about in terms of it being a brain growth or transformation and blah 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 is actually scientifically validated. It just hasn't had all that context that has scientifically been created superimposed upon the process of mania because it's just seen as some aberrant undesirable pathology. Whereas if it was properly supported then maybe a person would be able to not have such extreme fallout. Everybody wants to change and then this big change process comes into some people's lives and that change is called illness. It's something different for sure, but I don't think it's illness. And just as somebody who has a spinal injury can learn to walk again, somebody who goes through map consciousness and, and comes back from that process a shell of themselves can learn to walk not just in this world, but in that new world they were also walking in and creating as they walk there in their neurology they can walk there again too not just recovering to walk in this world that needs to change and needs a different type of human being acting in a different way so to me mania is part of the solution it's just being looked at in the wrong way and by the wrong people the brain is supposed to be a liquid crystal not a solidified mass of scar tissue of neurons probably all congealed together because there's just such a small reality tunnel that we're experiencing our brain is this huge map it's this huge labyrinth and we're stuck at the mercy of a few neurons that have been hyper-stimulated and the structure of society and education it works very hard to program us and it's not going to let us deprogram that easily And that's what happens with map consciousness, we get deprogrammed and then they give us another program that we're just defective. Being programmed is being defective. And I thought of how, if we stayed in mania, if for some reason a person was able to stay in manic consciousness for the rest of their life, they would never believe they're defective. Ever it's only because we come back down and then we're in this weak state because we've run out of battery, we've run out of juice that state can only last so long as it is right now in society because just like a person can only lift weights for a certain period of time, they can't do it indefinitely, then they have to rest and then they can go back to it again. So because we're out of battery and confronted by professionals with their fancy expensive educations that they've been brainwashed into believing, we believe them. Our brains are neuroplastic and that experience in consciousness shows us that, how amazing and powerful the brain is. We're afraid of the power of our own brains. We wanna remain in these little weenie habits of safety and comfort I want to talk about the TED Talks because I extrapolated some juicy nutrients for the brain. Some mind-expanding stuff from the mind-expanding stuff that they were saying. Thank you for listening to Bipolar Inquiry. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Remember, use your voice, craft your consciousness, embody your potential, enter a quantum paradigm. The Bipolar Inquiry Podcast is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information in this show is not medical advice. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.